Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11. And the Lord God says here, For this commandment which I command thee this day, it is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, Who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very nigh unto thee. In thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. What God just said there is, hey, the word of God, this word right here, these commandments, these words he's written to you, they're not off in some foreign land where you have to go over and get a plane ticket and go over there and try it. It's not up in outer space like on an international space station. You've got to go up in the heavens to get it. It's not on the moon. It's not anywhere. You can't get it, he says, it, but verse 14, but the word is very nigh to thee. Some of y'all have it in your very lap right now. As you're reading this, the word is very nigh to thee. In thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would bless this message, Lord God. I pray it would be your words, not mine, Lord. I pray you'd hide me behind the precious cross of Jesus Christ, Lord. And I do pray, Father, for uh, your Holy Spirit to move among us, leading God and directing us into all truth, Lord. And I do pray, Father, that uh, if there's somebody underneath the sound of my voice that doesn't know Jesus Christ, the Lord's Savior, maybe, Father, they've heard about Jesus, but they don't know for sure if they were to die tonight, they go to heaven or hell, Lord God. I pray, Father, they come on down the aisle when we give an invitation, Lord, we can open up a Bible and show them your word and what your word has to say about what they have waiting for them, Lord God, and what they can have in Jesus Christ, and that it's a free gift. But Lord, help us to, as this new year's rolls around, Lord God, help us to make, a, make, things, make things that are important, important in our life, Lord God, and keep them important. Things that are important to you, Lord God, help us to understand those things. In Jesus Christ, holy name I pray, amen. I want to preach this morning, guys, on the, uh, the most important New Year's resolution. The most important New Year's resolution. Now, I know New Year's is not for another till ne next Saturday. This is what I had uh, occurred last Sunday. Christmas wasn't till Saturday before Sunday, so I'm like, do I preach a Christmas message on that Sunday or the Sunday before? I chose the Sunday before. Six days later, here we are. We're, we're the day after Christmas, and I want to preach a New Year's resolution message. And this is the most important New Year's resolution I can give you. It's about the Word of God. You need to make a dedication. This is a New Year's resolution. It's a, what, the most important New Year's resolution, obviously, is, do you, is your salvation to Jesus Christ. That should go without saying. <laughs> you need to be saved. That should be took care of. That should have already been took care of. But for every Christian in here, if you're a Christian, you need to get into the Word of God this year. That's the most important New Year's resolution. You say, I need more of the Word of God. And there's three things we're going to look at. You need to read it. You need to, uh, you need to read it. You need to uh, keep it, and you need to speak it. You need to read it. You need to know it. You need to speak it. You need to keep it. Psalms 12, 6, the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. There's all kinds of promises about the word of God. Heaven and earth shall pass away, Jesus Christ said. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. This thing right here that you have in your lap, these words are never going to pass away. Everything you see with your physical eyes, it's all going to burn up. It's all going to pass away. But these words that are written on this paper, these words, they're going to live on forever. Amen. But the word of the Lord says, For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as a flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. As the, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. This word right here. So this thing's important, very important. 
Look at Matthew chapter 21. I'm going to show you some things. About, see what Jesus Christ had to say about this, these words. Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 21. So you need to read it. You need to know it. You need to speak it. You need to read it. You need to know it. You need to speak it. Those are the three most important things for, as a New Year's resolution. You need to read it. You need to know it. You need to speak it. This New Year's, uh, New Year's is coming up. You need to make a plan to read your Bible. You need to make a plan to read your Bible. Look at Matthew chapter 21, verse 14. Look at Matthew chapter 21, verse 14. And the blind and the lame came to him, came to Jesus in the temple, and he healed them. And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the Son of David, they were sore displeased. So Christ is doing all these things in the temple, and the little children are running around. They're going, glory to God, Hosanna, Jesus Christ is being glorified in every way. And the, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees do not like that at all. So they, they're sore displeased, verse 16, and said unto him, Hearest thou what thou, these sayest? And Jesus saith unto them, Yea, have you never read, Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? Yea, have you never read? Well, you'll see in Jesus Christ's ministry, he's all through the ministry, he's talking about, hey, have you never read? He's talking about this book you have in your lap. He's talking about this book. Have you never read it? Have you never read? And then he quotes a scripture. He quotes a scripture. Look at verse uh, 42. Look at verse 42, same, same chapter. Verse 42. He gets into it with them again. And look what he says. Jesus said to them, did you never read? In the scriptures, the stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. What he's saying to them back in, the, uh, back in verse uh, 11 and 14 and 16 is he's saying, listen, uh, yeah, they're doing the right thing. They're praising God, and what they're doing, those kids, it's, we have a saying, out of mouth of babes comes the truth. You know, we have that saying. That's what Christ is saying. These babes are doing what's true. These babes, you're, you're knowing what's going on is true because they're showing you, these kids are showing you what's true. I am the son of David. I am the son of God. I am. I should be praised. So, but it all comes from knowing your Bible. And guys, that's what this whole sermon's about. It's a simple message. But the sermon, this sermon's about you need to get a reading plan for reading your Bible. You need to get serious this New Year's resolution. This New Year's coming up. It's a perfect time to get serious about reading your Bible. I was looking through Haley, Haley's handbook's about this thick. It's a little bitty Haley's handbook on the Bible. And I, I, I found a copy of it. And I was looking for something else in my studies. I was looking for something else. And I, so I was looking through the, uh, the table of contents. And I was going through this book. And it's about a thousand-page book. And I'm going through this book. And it says... And big, bold, capital letters, the most important thing in this book. Because he's got all these other things about all the different Bible, books of the Bible. But he says the most important thing about in this book. So I'm like, I can't pass that up. i got to find out what's the most important thing in this book. So I turn to the last of the book and it says, every Christian ought to be a Bible reader. Every Christian ought to, be, ought to be a Bible reader. It is the one habit which, if, one, if done in the right spirit, more than any other habit, will make a Christian what he ought to be in every way. If any church could get its people as a whole to be devoted readers of God's words, it would re re revolutionize the church. If the churches of any community as a whole could get their people as a whole to be regular readers of the Bible, it would not only re revolutionize the churches, but it would purge and purify the community as nothing else could. And to that I say, Amen. amen. 
I've seen the Bible change people's lives. I've seen the Bible change my lives. Brother, sister, you don't want to be fooled by false doctrine, by false cults. You've got to get in this book. The people that are fooled by things that are said by the devil, by false religions, by false cults, by uh, whoever it might be, the people that are fooled by that are people that don't read their Bible, that don't read it. They don't have any idea. And so you can pull the wool over their eyes. I can quote verses up here and, uh, as a test and say, okay, is this in the Bible or am I just making this up? And I hope you know your Bible enough and have read your Bible enough to say, yeah, yeah. That's a Listen, this Bible, I'm going to read you another quote. This Bible, in Green's short history of the English people, this is a history of the English people. This is what he said. No greater moral change ever passed over a nation that, than passed over England in the latter part of the reign of Queen Elizabeth. England became the people of a book, and that book was the Bible. It was read by every class of people, rich and poor didn't matter. And the effect was amazing. The whole moral tone of the nation was changed. By how? By just reading a book, reading this book. Martin Luther created the Protestant movement by, create, by reading this book. You're going to get closer to the Lord God by reading this book. So I know I hammer this all through the years at this church. I always hammer you, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. But the New Year's is coming up. It's a new calendar year. This is a perfect time to create a resolution and, to, and say, you know what? I'm going to be disciplined this year. And this, when you say discipline, now this is my plan. So let's talk about that a little bit. What kind of plan can you have to help you out? Well, in Acts chapter 17, verse 11, the Bible brags on the Bereans. And the Bereans are said to be more noble than the Thessalonians, And this is why they were more noble. And that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily. Searched the scriptures daily. The uh, Berean Christian searches the scriptures daily. Now here's the question. Here's the answer. Both. How much scripture should I search daily? <laughs> How much scripture should you read daily? Have you thought about that? Have that even crossed your mind? Like, I want to read my Bible. Okay, let's read your Bible. Well, how much are you going to read daily? Can I say this to you? That you will not find anywhere in this Bible, anywhere in this Bible, that you need to read your Bible through once in a year. Now, you'll find in here you need to read it. I just read to you where they searched it daily. You need to read it daily. But how much you take in a day, that's up to you. It's up to everybody in this room how much of the Bible you're going to take in. But what little bit you will take in, it will help you tremendously to walk. It, it, uh, Haley said, it's the most important thing I've wrote in this book. He wrote all the stuff about the Bible, all the stuff about the books of the Bible. But the most important thing is you ought, you ought to be reading the Bible. And you need to have a plan. So let's, get, let's talk about this a little bit. I'm going to give you some ideas that I've used over the years and other brothers and sisters in Christ. Most of the time when these missionaries come in, you see these missionaries come in or my, my pastor friends, one of the things I always ask them is, how much Bible are you reading? How are you doing your Bible reading? When do you get up and pray? I ask them some practical things about Christianity that I want to know, how are you praying? Are you praying in the morning? Are you praying at night? Are you, are you praying in the middle of the day? When are you reading your Bible? How much of your Bible are you reading? I ask these common questions. To me, they're common questions. I want to know because you know what I find out? Everybody's different. Everybody does it different. Y'all seen Brother Chad Reese come in here, and Brother Chad Reese, he knows as much Bible as anybody in this room. And Brother Chad Reese doesn't read his Bible in the morning. He waits till later on in the morning because he has a job where he can get it to work, he can calm down. 
close the door in his office and in <laughs> whatever he's doing. The point is that he can read his Bible on break and at lunchtime is what he told me. But you, we need to have a plan. So there's different ways to approach it. When you're approaching reading this Bible, when you're approaching reading this Bible, you need a plan. And one plan is a consecutive reading plan. And what that means is you just start in Genesis and you read in Genesis and go all the way to the end of Revelation. And say, I'm going to do that. And try to do that in a year. Now, we've got these charts here to help you do that. That's what this does. That's what these are about. I got these reading charts to help you do that. And we got these. Uh, Pensacola Bap Baptist prints them out, and we got some. Uh, they, they, they're just reading charts, and they'll help you say how much, how much chapters you need to read this day, how much chapters you need to read that day. It will help you get through the Bible in a year. Now, one thing about that is one problem with going through that way is simply this, is you're getting all Old Testament for a lot of the year. So that means that you're going to get, you might be three weeks in Chronicles. And if anybody's read through the Bibles, no, man, going through Chronicles, that makes you want to run and just jump off a cliff. Because it's nothing but names, and names we don't ever pronounce. And it can't be John, Joe, Dick, and Harry. It's got to be Abijah and Ibuamia and, you know, all these names you never have pronounced in your life. And you're trying to read through there, and it slows you down. And you're like, Lord, why is this in here? Well, it's in there because it has, it's related to Jesus Christ. And I showed you if you're here Wednesday night that we found out. How did we find out the birth of Jesus Christ, when Christ was actually born? We found that out because of some obscure passage in Chronicles that mentions somebody's name and some course that he did. We could take that way off in Chronicles and apply it to what was said in Luke chapter 2. And you put all that together and you can find out when Christ was born right at the end of September, October. But you have to have chronicles in there. And it's verses that you would never care about in your daily Bible reading. Here's the point is, if you're going to go through a consecutive Bible reading, that's a great way to do it. I love to do it that way. You just start in Genesis and read through. But you probably need to add some New Testament in there. Probably good to add some New Testament in there. Maybe add it in the evening or something. You can also uh, buy a book that's a chronological Bible. Because so, if you know your Bible and you've studied your Bible, you know that the, Bible's not the books of the Bible are not necessarily put chronologically. Sometimes they're put out of order. They're, put, they're kind of grouped together like minor prophets and the, and the major prophets grouped together. And then you have Ezra, Nehemiah, Job. You have, they're grouped together. Well, a chronological Bible will take chronologically what happens and put it in order for you. It's the Bible, but it puts it in the order chronologically in time that that took place. It's an interesting way to read through your Bible. It's a really interesting way to read through your Bible chronologically. You can alternate between the New Testaments. This is a great way to read. Read a little bit out of the Old Testament. Read a little bit out of the New Testament. That's a great way to do it. Otherwise, you get some of the Old Testament, and you get, a lot of the, uh, get some of the New Testament, which is really what you need. A lot of it, it's all good, but you really need some New Testament. That's a good way to do it. There's a book you can buy called a one-year Bible. And this one-year Bible, it, 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 puts it, it breaks it all down for you. It gives you a little bit of Old Testament. It gives you a little bit of New Testament. And then it'll usually give you like some Psalms or Proverbs. And every day, that's what you're supposed to read. It's like a page and a half. And you can go through the Bible that way. Every, it, it, whatever day it is, you just open up that Bible and you read that day and get through it. Like this morning, I'm studying for church. I'm getting ready for church. I didn't do my daily Bible reading. I won't do my daily Bible reading until later on this afternoon. After I eat, I'll sit down. If the Cowboys were playing, I won't watch the Cowboys. I'll read my Bible. Then I'll see if they're losing or not and be mad or whatever. But the point is, is that I, I do things different to them. But, I, but it's important to me to get that in. Is it important for you to take your medicine every morning? 
A lot of y'all are like, yeah, I, I got to take these pills, even if it's just vitamins. You, 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 you're disciplined enough to say, I need to take this in the morning, or I need to take this at night, or whatever you're doing. It's the same way with your, your Bible reading. There's times where you're not going to be able to do it, There's time, but you're going to make an effort to try to get it done because, guys, I'm here to tell you this morning, it's that important to get that Bible in you. To get the Bible in you, you need to read it. It'll change you. You can, have a, you can read a chapter a day. You can just say, you know what, I'm going to pick a, pick a book of the Bible. You can pick a book of the Bible and just say, I'm going to read that book. You can pick one book like the book of Romans and read it over and over and over again. And let me say something to you and encourage you that if you're reading, because sometimes some of us are faster readers than others in here. There's nothing wrong with that. But I've noticed in my Bible reading that I'll like read through it real quick. And I'm like, you know what, I can't even, I, I, I can sit there and read through my Bible, go cook breakfast, sit down at my table and go, what did I just read? I just read through so quick. Did that do me any good? No, it didn't do me any good. Sometimes you need to slow down. And it's better to slow down. Like I told you at the beginning, there's nothing in the Bible that says you've got to read it through in a year. I like to try to do that, but there's nothing in the Bible that says you have to do that. Just pick a chapter and say, read that chapter. I'm going to focus on this chapter. And I'm telling you here, guys, if you've never read your Bible, you're like, man, Brother Keegan, I, I, I hear what you're saying. The Holy Spirit's witnessing to me that that's true. I need to get more into the Word of God so I, I can know more about Jesus Christ, know more about what they, the Lord expects out of me. Start with the Gospel of John and just read the Gospel of John and say, you know what, I'm going to read the Gospel of John. I'm going to read as much as I can in one sitting. Maybe read maybe 6, 8, 10, 12 verses. Maybe read a chapter and say, I'm going to read a chapter. There's 21 chapters in John. You could go through a month and say, I'm just going to read the Gospel of John. Take my time. Go through it. I've got 30 days to read 21 chapters and go through the Gospel of John. See the Lord work on your life. You can slow down. It's better to slow down. I know a Christian lady that she was reading through her Bible once a year, and when she slowed down and she's like, it's taken her maybe two years to get through her Bible, she's telling me she's getting a whole, whole lot more out of it. A whole lot more out of it. And what would be amazing is, is when you're reading through your Bible, how the Lord will lead you to passages, and then the pastor will preach on those passages. Or the pastor will preach on those passages, and the Lord will show you that same verse. And you're, it's, it's amazing. It's creepy is what it is. It's the Holy Spirit. My pastor that I was under when I was teaching Sunday school, the, one guy came to me and he said, man, it's so amazing how you can be teaching on something, and then Brother Packer will preach on the same thing. I'm, I told him, brother, we don't get together. We don't get together and say, hey, what are you preaching on? Okay, I'll teach on that. Or what are you teaching on? Okay, I'll preach on that. We didn't even talk to each other about it. But who was doing that? The Holy Spirit. There's somebody in that church that needed a double witness. Sometimes you need a double witness. The Bible talks about a double witness. The double witness, the double witness assures a thing. It solidifies a thing. When you get that double witness, that's why sometimes when I bring in pastor, uh, preachers like Brother Chad, and Brother Chad will preach something, and I'll have somebody say, well, I never heard that before. Well, yeah, you have, but you just don't remember it. You needed that double witness. I heard somebody else has preached it or something else. The point is, is we all need the double witness. I need the double witness. And when you're reading the Word of God, it helps you. When you're reading the Word of God along with Bible preaching and hearing Bible preaching, Bible teaching, it helps you get as much of the Word of God. You need as much as you can get, brothers and sisters. Have you never read Jesus Christ said? Here's another thing you can think of, you can think to do, is you can uh, listen to the Bible. Say, well, I don't have time to read, or I'm not a very good reader, or Brother, Brother Raymond Music when he was with us before he went on to heaven, he, uh, he, he, wanted, to know, he wanted the Bible, and he said, but I, I can't read. And his hands, his real shaky hands. So we, we found him an audio Bible, and he would listen to that audio Bible. That's a great way. That's a great way to, to absorb the Word of God. Maybe you have a long commute back and forth to work. Put on the Bible. 
Say, that's why I'm going to get my Bible read. I'm going to put on the Bible, and I'm going to listen to the Bible for 8, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, however long it takes you to get to work. You can do that, and you can get that audio Bible through a place called Bible Gateway. Go on the, just Google it up, Bible Gateway. King James, you can, get, you can get different people reading it. You can get a dramatized version. Guys, it's, the Word of God, especially the King James Bible, is out there everywhere. It's not copyrighted, guys. That's why it's everywhere. You just got to want it. <laughs> you got to want it, and if you want it, you'll find it. You'll, you'll figure this stuff out. Another thing you can do is you can listen to it while you're reading it. You're getting two gates involved. You're getting your eye gate involved. See, there's five gates to your soul, through your flesh. There's five gates. you got your eyes, you got your ears, you got your nose, you got your mouth, and you got your touch. There's five gates to your soul through this flesh. So when you're reading it and you're hearing somebody speak it, through like an audio Bible, then you're getting both gates involved. Now, if you can go so far as to say, I'll read it out loud. I've done that one year. I read my Bible out loud. That is really hard to do because it slows you down a lot. But if you can read it out loud, then you're getting your mouth involved. You're getting your mouth gate involved. You're getting your ear gate involved. You're getting your eye gate involved. You're getting three gates that the Word of God is being used. That's amazing you can do that. That's pretty good. Guys, that's... That, when you read something out loud, if you ever see the Bible and you're reading through something Bible and say, that doesn't make any sense, read it out loud. There's so many times where I'm getting a message together and I'm in my office, I'm in my study and I'm reading it, I'm reading it, and I'm like, well, Lord, this doesn't have anything to do with my service, but this, I, I don't understand that verse. It don't make no sense to me. That verse makes no sense to me. And then I'll get up here to preach and I'll be preaching and I'll be reading it out loud to you guys and then all of a sudden be, in, in my mind I'll be like, oh, okay, <laughs> now I get it. It's amazing what happens when you read it out loud, guys. But I can't encourage you enough to read your Bible, get an, a plan, get an idea. It's between you and the Lord, right? Don't let anybody judge you. If you're only going to say, well, I'm only going to read two or three verses a day, praise the Lord, that's more Bible than you were getting last year, amen? Or if you're saying, I read a lot of Bible last year, but I didn't get as much out of it as I should have, I'm going to slow down. I'm going to just start, you know, just really slow it down. Praise the Lord. But guys, you need to have, be disciplined. You need to have a reading plan. You really do need to have a reading plan. You need to be disciplined and follow it daily. daily. Let's go on to the next one. So you need to read it and you need to know it. Matthew 22. Matthew 22. Matthew 22. Matthew chapter 22, verse 23. Matthew 22, verse 23. You need, to, you need to read your Bible and you need to know your Bible. Matthew chapter, there's a difference. Matthew chapter 22, verse 23. The same day came to him the Sadducees, which say that there is no resurrection, and asked him, saying, Master, Moses said, If a man die having no children, his brother shall marry his wife, raise up seed unto his brother. Let's stop there. Did Moses say that or did God say that? No, Moses didn't say, God said that. Moses just wrote it down, amen. And another thing, it says the Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection. That's all the Old Testament talks about is the resurrection of the dead. They're not reading their Bible. Verse 25, now there were, with, and so they're saying, Moses said, if a, guy has a child, if a guy has a wife and she dies, no children, and he's gotta, she's got to marry his brother so she can have a child to keep, to keep the lineage going in the family. Verse 25, Now there was with us seven brethren, and the first, when he had married a wife, deceased, and having no issue or no children, left his wife unto his brother, likewise the second also, and the third, unto the seventh. Now see, this is all nonsense. This is what you get into. People are like, well, what? I don't understand the Bible, and they start coming up with all these crazy ideas. and like It's all common sense, guys. And last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection... Whose wives shall she be of the seven? For they all had her. He said, okay, this woman had seven wives because the word of God said she had to take the brothers 
I mean, this wife, this woman had seven husbands. She had to take the brothers. Now she's dead. All the brothers are up in heaven. She's in heaven. Okay, who's... Whose wife is she going to be of those seven brothers? Verse 29, Jesus answered and said unto them, Ye do err, or an error, not knowing the Scriptures. It's not enough just to read them, you've got to know them. You've got to be acquainted with them. Don't just be acquainted with them, you've got to really get to know them. Do you realize the word know in the Bible is associated with the intimate knowledge? Like in the Bible, when it talks about uh, relations, it says, And Adam knew Eve. And Abraham knew Sarah. That, that, that knew there, that know is an intimate. You need to know the Bible. You need to have an intimate knowledge of the Bible. Just a passing knowledge of the Bible, just a passing, yeah, I'm familiar with it, that's not good enough. You, and you're only going to get that by reading it and studying it and absorbing it and getting as much of it as you can into you. Because you, first off, if you've read your Bible and, and have been reading your Bible, you would know verse 23 is a lie. The same day came to him the Sadducees, which say that there is no resurrection. If a Sadducee came to you and said, the Bible doesn't talk about a resurrection, you know enough of your Bible if you've been reading it. You know enough of it because you've been reading it to say, that's not true because I read in Psalms, I read in Ezekiel, I read a, a resurrection there in Genesis, I read about a resurrection there in, 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 in Zechariah. In other words, you could say, that's not true. Because you know it. And that's what he says. Jesus answered, said unto them, you do err not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God. They don't know God and they don't know the Scriptures. They're tied together. you got to know the Scriptures to know God. Do you understand that? Do you understand that you're not going to know God how you should know God without reading this book? Everything we know about Jesus Christ comes out of this book, guys. Amen? Okay, you want to get to know Jesus Christ better, your Lord and Savior? You're going to have to read this book. Not, not listen to uh, the TV, not listen to the Discovery Channel, what they say about Jesus and Mary and all the nonsense. Read the Bible. That's the account you want to read. For in the resurrection, he says, verse 30, neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. See, they don't marry. So some of you men are like, praise the Lord, I'm not going to be married to her in heaven. And some of you women are like, praise the Lord, I'm not going to be married. And some of you women are like, man, I wanted to keep him for eternity. You know? Hey, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? We'll be brothers and sisters up in heaven, just like we're down here. There'll be no reason to procreate. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have you not read? There he does it again. <laughs> Jesus hammers them again. Have you not read it? Are you not reading? Are you not reading your Bible? Guys, you need to be reading your Bible. You need to have a plan. You need to be reading it, guys. And get disciplined about it. It should be as important to you as getting up and brushing your teeth. It should be as important to you as anything else in your life as getting the Word of God and making time for it. You're going to have to make time for it and be disciplined. It's like anything else. You're going to have to be disciplined. Make time for it. Make, uh, make a wave to make it work because you need it. Why? Because uh, God's going to show you why. Here, look at this. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have you not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his doctrine. That's an amazing verse right there. Verse 32. And maybe you didn't see what Jesus Christ did right there. What Jesus Christ did is what he told them they need to be doing in verse 29. You need to know the Scriptures. 
See, when you're doing your daily Bible reading in verse 32, you would find that verse in Deuteronomy, and you're reading your, you're reading your daily Bible reading, and you're reading this. Okay, and I'm the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Jesus says, God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. He's, what Jesus Christ is telling you is, what you need to meditate. If it takes you slowing down and not reading as much Bible, and just say, you know, I'm just going to do a chapter, because I want to read every word. Read every word. Read every word. And pay attention to every word and try to, try to read a verse and say, I'm going to meditate. What does this mean? What is God trying to say? Because look at what he says in verse 32. God doesn't say, I was the God of Abraham. Even though God, that, that Abraham had been dead for years. When God spoke this in verse 32, when Jesus Christ is, is quoting God, speaking this, God, Abraham had been dead for years. Isaac had been dead for years. Jacob had been dead for years. What are you talking about, Brother Keegan? He's not saying, I was the God of Abraham. He says, I am the God of Abraham. He's saying to God, Abraham is alive. Do you see what Jesus is saying right there? That's how deep this book is. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. He's giving them a Bible study. He's giving them a Bible teaching. He's saying, guys, read your Bible. If you'd read your Bible, you'd believe in the resurrection because God's talking about Abraham like he's living. I am. I am. I am the God of Abraham. Not was. I, uh, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. God's not the God of the dead, but of the living. You know what those, prophets, those Pharisees and those Sadducees did? Look at verse 33. And when the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his doctrine. The Jehovah's Witness, they understand the importance of one little letter. The Jehovah's Witness really understand the importance of one little letter. The Bible says in John 1, 1, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That says to you that Jesus Christ is God. This is what that verse says. Jehovah's Witness, they don't like that. They don't, they don't think that Jesus is God. They don't like those parts of the Bible. So what they did is they said, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was, and they put a little letter in there, A, lowercase, God. Because there's many gods. That's how they get around it. One little letter. See, and if you know your Bible, and you're reading through a Jehovah's Witness, you'll see a Bible like that, and you'll close it, and so that's trash. That's why so many King James believers, word of God, that read their Bible, they get a hold of an NIV, they get a hold of an NASV, they get a hold of one of these, and they're reading through, and they're like, this is trash. I was watching a... Uh, was at a Christmas Eve service, and uh, they, they did a good job, good preaching. I mean, it, just, it wasn't King James. You know, y'all think I'm not King James, and if I'm around somebody who's not King James, I have a hammer, and I'm not trying to hammer them in the head. Yeah, you're going to hell. Everybody's got to answer to God for what they do. But they were quoting the verse of Isaiah chapter 9, and it's, uh, the verse says, Jesus Christ, that, that Son of God, is going to be given to us. He'll be called Wonderful, Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And when they were quoting it, they were saying, he'll be called Wonderful Counselor. They just dropped the comma. One little, they just dropped the comma. That's all, Brother Keegan. It don't make such a big fuss. They just dropped the comma. Jesus Christ is a Wonderful Counselor, but he's wonderful. He's a counselor. Jesus Christ is wonderful in every way. And he's a counselor, and he's the almighty God. He is all those things. But they took away that one comma, so they say he's a wonderful counselor. Well, yeah, he is, but that, you're changing the... See that stuff? I know my book. I know the word of God. And I said, man, that's trash. I want to get the real word right here. I want to get the real word. And you got it right here. 
got it right here. Look at Amos chapter 4. Look at Amos chapter 4. You need to know it. Amos chapter 4. Amos, you'll find Amos after Daniel, Ezekiel, Daniel, and you're going to find, you're going to run across Hosea, and then you'll run across Joel, and then you'll, Joel, Joel, and then you'll find Amos. Amos chapter 4. Uh, that's one reason why you need to read your Bible. You need to get acquainted with your Bible. You need, I mean, you need to get more than acquainted. You get to know it. You need to say, okay, if the pastor says turn to uh, Habakkuk, I, can kinda, I have an idea where that's at. That's a minor prophet. If he tells me to turn to Zephaniah or Zechariah, I kind of have an idea. That's the minor prophets. You, need, you can get familiar with your books. You've read it. And you know Zephaniah and Zechariah and uh, Habakkuk, these are little small books that are at the end of the Old Testament. But when the pastor says Isaiah, I can find Isaiah because that's, that's a big 66 chapters. Ezekiel, that's a big book. Psalms, that's huge. You know, you, you, you're familiar with the Bible. You get to know it. Look at Amos chapter 4, verse 4. Look what God does here. Do you all know God? I pray you do. Come to, God says, come to Bethel and transgress. At Gilgal, multiply transgression. Well, right there, the Bible says, go transgress. Go multiply your transgression. Go sin. Go commit iniquity. That's what the Bible says. That's what God tells us to do right there. You know, uh, somebody was telling me a story about one of the brothers in here, and they, they, they were asking him, did you see that dog? And that brother said, yeah, I seen that little dog running down the road. And they were asking, is that your little dog? And he says, no, that's not my little dog, but I thought about swerving over and running it over. And he was like, oh. Well, if you know this brother, he's just trying to get a reaction. He's saying that. He's not, he don't want to run over some little dog, but he says that just to see the look on your face when he says, yeah, I was thinking about running it over. That's the way a lot of us, I say things from up here just to see y'all's faces because y'all are sitting there like this. And then when I say something, y'all are like, huh? Wakes you up. He's talking about them eating cats at a Chinese food restaurant. What's he talking about? I thought we'd come in here and talk about Jesus. I'm just trying to wake you up. But if you know me, and my wife and my sister know me pretty well, I'm always kidding around, always joking around. And if you know God, and how do we know God? God does not like iniquity. Amen? And if you was to take this verse and say, see, God says it's okay to go to Bethel and sin. Because so, he says, come to Bethel and transgress. That's what the word of God says, right? And Gilgal, multiply, that's what the word of God says. And bring your sacrifices every morning and your tithes after three years. And offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving with leaven and proclaim and publish the free offerings. For this lacketh you, O you children of Israel, saith the Lord God. That's your Lord God being sarcastic. He said, hey, go up there and sin. Go do, those, you know, do all those transgressions you like to do because that's what you like to do. You like to go and sin and then try to sacrifice to me. You go do that because that's what you like. He's being sarcastic. God has a personality. And just like I said with some of these people, I've been around men and women all my life. You've you got to get to know them to really know how they are. And that's what I'm talking about with the Word of God. You get to, to get to know it so you know God, get to know the Bible so you can know people can't pull something on you. Because you're like, no, that's not what he means. I know God. That's not how he, he's not wanting them to go sin. Oh, there it is. End of verse 5. This like it you. Oh, that explains what he's saying there. Look at Amos chapter 8 in closing. Amos chapter 8. Same, same book, Amos chapter 8, verse 11. Famous, famous verse. 
So you got to read it. You need to know it. You need to speak it. Guys, this whole, and this, this message not, not, might be kind of boring. This message is not dynamic. I'm not teaching or preaching anything that you hadn't heard a million times. But I'm here to tell you, New Year's is rolling around, and we need to get a plan together. And you need to put the most important thing on your resolution is, I need to read more of the Word of God. That's a simple message. It's not, it's not dynamic. It's not going to change the world. It's not a Billy Graham crusade message. But it's an important message. And I, I feel the same way Brother Haley did when he wrote his thousand-page book. The most important thing in this book, read your Bible. And if there's one thing I can tell you, I have never took the Bible away from you. I always try to give you the Bible. I say, that Bible's yours. That Word of God is yours. This is your book, not my book. This is our book that the Lord's given us. And you can find some amazing things if you study it yourself. God's given it to all of us. And if I say something that doesn't line up with this book, then I'm in wrong. I'm a liar. I'm in error. I need to read more of it. Look at, uh, so in closing, Amos chapter 8, verse 11. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing, hearing the words of the Lord. So we need to be speaking it. There's not enough people talking about the word of God. Uh, Romans chapter 10, verse, uh, what, Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. People are going to get saved when they hear the Word of God. So we need to have, a, we, in our New Year's resolution, when we're talking about the Word of God and reading more of it and, and knowing more about it and speaking it, is every opportunity we get this New Year's, we need to try to quote the Word of God, get it out there. I try to do that. I'm not real good at it, but I try to do that. Of course, you've got to read it and know it first, amen, before you can quote it. But what I mean by that is there's times where people are saying, so, I, I, I've, I've done this a lot. I'm not encouraging you to do this, but I'll do this. There'll, be, there'll be somebody at work, and they'll be talking about somebody else and something that happened in that guy's life, and he's making, you, it's obvious the guy's making horrible decisions in his life, and he's, make, he's going the wrong way in his life, and we'll be talking about it, and I'll say, you know, the Bible says, there's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the ends thereof are death. And I'll just leave it like that. Or if I ever hear somebody say, yeah, you know, you're supposed to do unto others, I say, yeah, that's what Jesus Christ said. Jesus is the one that said that. I'll make sure that the quote is given to the right, per, the right proper person. <laughs> yeah, Jesus said that. So there's so much you can do when people are, are, are around you, you can, uh, but you need to read your Bible, you need to know your Bible before you can speak it. But the truth is, is in our daily lives, in our Christian walk with Jesus Christ, we need to be reading more of this Bible and have a plan to read it and be faithful to reading it because this is the most important thing in a Christian's. The most important thing in the in Christian's walk is the Word of God. And then we need to know it and say, you know, I want to know more about I want to know more about this. In other words, when you find a Bible verse in there that doesn't make any sense, go find out what it means. Go look it, study it, find out. I mean, Google is right there. I mean, as awful and horrible as the Internet can be, you're in a, Christians, you're in an age that's amazing. You can turn on, you can pick up your phone and say, okay, read to me Genesis 1-1. And, and, and that your phone will do it. It's amazing. You can go on a walk and say, I'm going to take a walk. I just need to get away from everything. And then turn on your Bible and be listening to the Bible and just walk and the Bible will be reading it. And then when you get home, if you have one of these kind of charts, and get home and say, you know what? I can mark this off. I can check this box off because I already listened to that. I'm going to check that off. Guys, there's a million ways to do it. But the main thing is do it. <laughs> do it. And be faithful to it. Because you know what's going to happen? It's just like a diet or anything else. You're going to say, man, I need to read more of my Word of God. And you're going to get started, and you're going to get about a week in, two weeks in, and then you're going to slow down. Life comes into life. You know, you're going to have to be disciplined. 
You're going to just have to be disciplined. But I'm telling you, if you think I know the Word of God, I really don't know the Word of God. But what little bit I know about the Word of God is from coming from reading this and seeing something and saying, what does that mean? And going and finding out. You know how I know somebody in my church is reading the Bible a lot? They're coming and asking me questions about the Bible. <laughs> That's how I know. You know, we, we, put these, uh, we put these chapters out. Brother Trevor. We put, remember when we put the chapter by, we had the chapter by chapter charts we put out. And we put the chapter by chapter charts out. And in Exodus, we had dropped off a chapter. I don't remember what chapter. Was it chapter 32 in Exodus? Or no, it was in, uh, no, I think it was in Exodus. And he had read his Bible all night long. And he came into church that next Sunday. And when he came into church, he said, Brother Keegan, there's, there's not a box for chapter 32. It's missing chapter 32. I'm like, well, let me see that. I said, man, you're right. And I proofread it. I think I had my wife. We missed it. it somebody was reading the Bible. <laughs> and, and he said, hey, I, I found it. Brother Trevor passed away at 18. The Lord took him home with brain tumor. He's up in heaven. And when Brother Trevor was sitting on the bed, and, and, and Brother Trevor wanted to talk to me, and we went over there, and I sat on his bed, he said, he said I'm, not, I'm not scared to die, Keegan. He said, I just want to know. I want you to show me in the Bible where it talks about heaven. <laughs> I want to I hear about heaven. I was the bravest young man I've ever met. Bravest man I've ever met. Knowing he's about to pass away and say, I'm not worried about passing. I just, want, I just want you to read and show me things out of the Bible about heaven. So that young man, even at 18, about to pass away at 18, knew the importance of the Word of God. I, I need to hear about it. And I'm going to hear about it because you're going to open up that book and you're going to read it to me. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the Internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse of course talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it and if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. 
Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.